this episode of Spilling the Syrup, I'm chatting with sensational drag artist Ophelia Up. She is a multi-talented drag performer from Eastern Ontario. Originally from Brockville, Ontario, she has performed all over. She is a true triple threat performer with the ability to DJ, sing, dance, act, and perform stand-up comedy while hosting shows. We're going to be spilling the syrup on what it's really like to be in the Canadian drag scene. I love going to drag shows. I remember my first time in Cruise and Tangos in Toronto and just loving the atmosphere and seeing everyone having a good time, the music, watching the queens project with so much charisma. Hey, Ophelia. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I want to start by asking you, what does drag mean to you? I grew up in like a musical theater world, did all through high school and college, did the whole musical theater thing. And I love performing, but it's really hard to make a career out of that. And I stumbled into drag. It wasn't intentional. My real getting into drag story is that I went to a drag show and some friends of mine were like, you could do that. You could totally be a drag queen. And I was like, yeah, maybe I could. So a few weeks later, I actually did a show fell in love with the art. So for me, I just like that it's a way that I can showcase myself and my talents. But also, it's fun because you get to create this whole character and you get to completely customize it. Unlike when you're acting in a show or doing another role, you kind of follow the guidelines the director gives you or the writing. Whereas this is like, I can completely do what I want. And thankfully, I've been doing drag long enough now that I feel like I've gotten it kind of down pat and I know exactly who my drag persona is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You found your path and you have that individual aspect that you can put into it. Do you have a drag mother at all? You have a drag mother, actually. Her name is Erica Steele. She's from Ottawa. And she was actually one of the first queens who was like friendly to me when I started my first show. And she instantly became my drag mother from there. We've done a few shows together. I don't see her as much as I would like to anymore. I'm not too big in the Ottawa scene these days because I'm kind of doing my own thing now. But uh, yeah, she's fantastic. That's great. Great that you can have connections and, and make friends with people from all over. And you started talking about this in your last response. But I wanted to ask you, how did you get your start in drag? And how did you know you had such a talent for it? So it's going to sound kind of shady. I'm not going to lie. When I went to a drag show for the first time, one of the performers who I will not name because I'm not going to be that bitch, but you know, <laughs> one of them didn't wear high heels and couldn't really dance and couldn't really lip sync. And I was like, Ooh, that's the whole point of this, right? Like you have to at least be able to lip sync if you can't dance and you know, you can't wear heels, you do you, but yeah, there's a certain level of performance that I think comes along with this territory. So my friends were like, yeah, that queen was maybe not the greatest. And they were like, you could do something and I was like yeah I know right yeah and then after like a week or so thinking about it I was like maybe I should do this so I contacted Flizzles in Ottawa was the main drag shows back then they still do shows on Thursday nights which is awesome it's kind of like a starting place for a lot of baby queens to get their feel and decide if this is what they wanted to do and I knew immediately from the first show that I did that I was like, yeah, this is something I'm going to want to do more often. And I'm having a fun time doing it now. Like, thankfully, I've had a very long drag career in a sense. So I've been able to like make connections and do my own shows and things like that. But that's actually how I got started. So it's a little bit shady, but she's retired now. That's all that matters. Okay. (laughs) I completely agree with you. Those are the things that I would critique too. So you're definitely not alone 
in that one. And I'm glad that there is a safe space for people to kind of experiment and try it because how else do you know if you don't try it? Yeah, definitely. And it's great, too, because then the bookers for those kinds of shows and other bars in the area, too, would be able to come and see new talent and see, okay, this queen has potential. Let's book them for something. Or, you know, this drag king, they do all kinds of shows at Swizzles, which is great. So they have kings, queens, burlesque, boylesque, etc. But it's really nice because it's kind of like you get to show off to the community your skills. And then from there, you can make lots of connections. Fascinating. You mentioned drag kings, which is very interesting because I love that. I don't see a lot of it in person or even in the media. I've seen a little bit of it. The little mixed music video confetti where they dress up as men. Yeah, I think it's a big thing. Like it definitely hasn't got the allure that the drag queens have right now with RuPaul's being a show that really like kind of coined the drag world. Right. Whereas there's so many different styles of drag performing, you know, there's drag kings, there's drag queens, there's faux queens or hyper queens. And for anyone who doesn't know what those are, women impersonating drag queens. So it's like an extremely hyper drag queen. But there's so many different cool forms with performing and you'll see so much of that. But thankfully, like, that's why we love live shows and why COVID has been really hard for a lot of people, because live shows are where all of us performers thrive and you know like online shows are super fun but being in a room with people who are there to see you perform and you get to you know use them for your number and give them a lap dance on stage in the middle of the show it hits different (laughs) yeah it does i mean i want that i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah (laughs) how did ophelia ups persona and name originate i believe ophelia is from hamlet Shakespeare? I think it's Hamlet. I honestly, I'm not that smart. Let's be real. I'm a drag queen. (laughs) You are smart. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I beg to differ, but I appreciate the sentiment. (laughs) Yeah, the name kind of came out of nowhere. Honestly, I was looking for an innuendo to go with most drag queens. You know, there's so many queens that have great names, and I wanted something unique that I hadn't seen anyone else have. And then I'm a little flirty or slutty in my shows, so I like to kind of have my name reflect that. And now, like, we do a raffle at my shows where we measure your bust or your balls. So we'll measure all the way around you, and then however many tickets that is, that's what you get, or we measure from your balls down. So it's fun, because for me, I get to feel people up during the raffle, and I get to see all these nice straight men who come to the show with their girlfriends, and I get to pull them up, and they get to win toys. So my name kind of works perfectly for my persona. (laughs) Yep. I really like that because I think drag for a lot of artists is a way to be more confident and sexually expressive and sex positive on the outside. And maybe they aren't like that so much in their normal everyday lives, let's say. Yeah. And that's the great thing about drag shows is there's so many people who come to shows who, you know, maybe haven't realized who they are. They want to explore a little bit more. And I think a drag show and most LGBTQ events are so inclusive and there's no judgment, especially at a drag show. I know like I started at Swizzles and it's very much a dive bar in the basement of a building in Ottawa. And it's fantastic because you see so many different kinds of people there and like everyone's comfortable to be themselves. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned in everything that you were saying that drag is for everyone, including straight people can come to the shows. And I think that's amazing. 
I think drag was the first facet of queer culture that I came across that really fascinated me. That was sort of part of my awakening that the world is not so small that it's actually kind of big and it drew me to the big city. But drag isn't only in the big cities. Thankfully, that is where I strive because I'm from a small town. Our population is 22,000, so it's a tiny town. You know, you go to Toronto, you expect a drag show. There's lots of gay bars and options. But if you come to Brockville, Ontario, it's very small and people don't expect it. But then you have people like me who does a show every month. And I book queens from bigger cities and kings and other performers to come. Because I'm like, you know, just because you live in a small town, doesn't mean you have that small town mindset and there's so many people there who want to explore and want a safe place to do these things or support the art in this sense so it's really nice that people get to come and see the shows and you know normally they would have to travel three hours to Toronto to see a show or travel an hour and a half to Ottawa so it's nice to kind of have it in your own backyard too. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. Represent culture from all corners and areas of the country. Exactly. And there's so many talented people all over the place. So you just got to find them and come to a great show. Yeah. I want to ask, did you come across any barriers when you decided to start doing drag? I wouldn't say I came across any barriers. I'm really lucky that I've had fantastic friends and family. It was definitely a thought that crossed my mind when I started doing drag just because it is a small town and, you know, everybody knows everybody. So I tried to kind of keep my drag life separate from my personal life for a very long time. Like I had separate Facebook accounts and I wouldn't promote drag events on my personal account for quite some time. I guess in a way that was kind of a barrier that I put on myself that I maybe didn't realize at the time. But now I've been able to kind of get rid of that and I've gone to our local pride parade and performed in drag and I've hosted events in drag. So I think everybody in town knows I'm a drag queen now. So (laughs) I'm thankful that I haven't had any issues. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm thinking on a bit of a bigger scale. I was listening to a podcast and Shea Coulee was speaking about their inner goddess and masculine energy and feminine energy. And they were saying when I grew up as a little boy, I was taught that this is how a boy is supposed to act. But really, when I tapped into that femininity, that was more who I was and that felt more natural. And really, whether you're masculine or feminine, that is part of the human experience. I think everything is a spectrum. I don't think that a lot of people kind of think about it that way. When you mention a spectrum, people think about, you know, mental health and disabilities and things like that. Yeah. I truly think everything is a spectrum, whether it's sexuality, whether it's gender, you know, like some days you're 90, 10, one way, other days you're 60, 40. So it just depends on the day. Yeah. And I think doing that with drag too, like I've met so many great performers. One performer that I've worked with many times who I absolutely adore originally was a straight man who was also on the autism spectrum, which was fantastic. They were doing drag because they loved it and their girlfriend would help them get ready and everything like that. And then fast forward a few years, they realize they're transgender and they've come out and now are happily living their life in their female persona. Oh, wow. You know, they live a very masculine lifestyle, but then do this kind of feminine drag thing on the side. But then on the other spectrum, you've got Corky, who I work with all the time, who's a fantastic bearded queen, is so feminine looking, but also has a beard. And like, it's so masculine and feminine at the same time. But that's the great thing about drag is you can kind of choose your persona. And just because one day you have a beard doesn't mean you always have to have a beard or, you know, I'm clean shaven today. Maybe one day I'll want to get into doing bearded drag. Yeah. It's kind of fun because you can play with that spectrum. 
I think you answered those explanations perfectly. Obviously, with the start of RuPaul's Drag Race, drag culture has permeated the cultural zeitgeist. How do you feel about that? And do you think it's a fair representation of drag? I think it's fantastic. Thankfully, the show was going on for many years before it hit Netflix. And once it hit Netflix, that's when it hit a much broader audience. And I think the thing they do really fantastic with that show is all those mirror moments where they talk about their lives and their families and struggles they've overcome. You know, we've seen many seasons now, so maybe it's getting a little bit cheesy, but it's still genuine connections. And I think a lot of people who watch the show can really relate with that. Yeah. And it's great that Netflix has the audience to be able to show it to so many people. And I'm sure there's many people out there who can say that, you know, maybe they've come out now or they've discovered something about themselves because of that show. Yes which is really fantastic. I think they do a good job of trying to be inclusive. There's still obviously ways they can grow as with any type of show and any type of representation. Things change every year and things that weren't acceptable five years ago are changing. So there's always going to be ways to grow. But I think any kind of start and having a platform like that is fantastic, yep. especially for like younger LGBTQ kids or younger people who want to get into drag. It's really ideal for them to be able to see that on screen and see that you don't have to be a certain type of way to do drag. I think it's sort of like America's Next Top Model. I think one day, of course, everything has to end. All good things must come to an end. But Drag has never been, in my opinion, as big as it is now. And I'm not sure it'll ever be this big. It is literally massive. So it's definitely done a fantastic job at that. I think one criticism that comes through quite often with the mainstream drag is that you need to have sort of expensive, elaborate outfits. And it's been known that these queens pay a lot of money to be on the show And from your perspective, does that compute with you? Is drag expensive? Drag is expensive, but there are great ways to find deals. I personally, I've always started off with saying I never wanted this to become a full-time career. There's many queens who do five and six shows a week, which is fantastic for them. That's not my lifestyle whatsoever. I do show once a month and then my feet need a month to retire and get better again. When it comes to people on the show and things like that, There are ways you can do it that don't cost money. And I think a lot of great creative ideas don't necessarily cost money. A lot of stuff is thrifted. Yep. I've worked with many queens who sew and make their own outfits, which is a very cheaper alternative. I personally shop at thrift shops for everything because you can find the ugliest stuff that looks amazing on drag queens there. All those kinds of sparkly things and like crazy tops. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like money can't buy you happiness. Just because you have money and you have nice things doesn't make you a good performer. So I think you have to be able to have personality and talent and creativity in order for that to be good. You know, I don't buy lace front wigs. I don't have the money for that. I don't buy real human hair. My wigs are synthetic, but they also look fantastic. It's not about looking good. It's about performance value. And I think a lot of performers kind of lose that idea in the beginning, but I think they do eventually find it. And, you know, you kind of grow with drag and you learn like, okay, I'm good at this. I should stick to doing stuff like this. There's lots of great queens out there who are strictly comedy queens um, and they're great at doing stand-up comedy. And then there's other queens who can dance and they may look like shit, but at least they can dance. I think what you're saying is you really need to have the heart as well and your wigs are iconic i agree because when i see your pictures with the wig that is what i remember about your look it's black right it stands out that shape i love it 
Definitely. I've got lots of wigs. I probably have like 15 or 20 wigs. My drag room is getting way too large. But I can tell you for a fact, I've never paid more than $60 for a wig, which I think is more than enough. One of my favorite wigs actually came from Wish. It was super cheap, but I added bangs to it, made it look nice. And as long as it suits you and you kind of learn what your style is too. Like I'm a very much a bob. I have to have bangs. You do not want to see my forehead, but it's great because then my makeup is cheaper because I don't have to do makeup on forehead. There you go. <laughs> you kind of learn your little talents along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And presently, speaking of your talents, you host your own brand of drag shows, all you can eat brunches. Dirty Bingo, socially distanced patio shows, which range from family-friendly to adult. We mentioned that a bit earlier in the episode. What are your favorite kinds of shows? I love a good theme show. We love Halloween and Christmas always. Dirty Bingo is always super fun, and I love it because it's so low-key, and it's hilarious because you get half the people are there because they love drag queens and they want to win sex toys and things like that, but then you also get a significant amount of the crowd that are literally bingo-goers, and they are so cutthroat. (laughs) I'm up there calling out numbers, trying to make jokes, getting people to laugh, and I can tell when there's one table who's pissed because they're like, read the numbers faster, and I'm like, this is for fun. Don't worry. You're going to win a prize. (laughs) Like, it's all good. So I do love Dirty Bingos for that. Definitely not your typical drag show crowd, but it's maybe people who want to see what a drag queen is like, and then that's their first exposure, and then maybe they'll come back to a show afterwards. Exactly. Yeah, I like any kind of show, honestly. I've done driveway shows during COVID. We were doing drive-by shows. I performed in a barn one time for a birthday party, people's basement. I'll do a show anywhere, you know what I mean? Like, the money's coming, I'll go where I have to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's the hustle. Exactly. You gotta make those tips and make that coin. And so true, eh? Some people take bingo so seriously. It's aggressive. Like, we did two sittings earlier this year in a show, and the first sitting was like, they bought me shots, and we were having a great time. And then the second sitting, it was like dead silence. Like, every single number I read out, you could hear a pin drop. Because they were so competitive, and I was like, oh, okay, this is a whole different crowd. But either way, they're still coming to see me, and they're paying me, so (laughs) we're good. Support your local queens. Exactly. Tip your bartenders, tip your queens. Do you ever get nervous before a show? Always. I've been doing shows nine years now, and I'm like old in the drag world, but I still get nervous before every show. My mom is a really fantastic supporter. She comes to all my shows and volunteers to like take the ticket money and everything like that. And it's always funny because before the show, like probably three hours before showtime, I get really reserved and quiet. I'm exhausted for whatever reason. And it just always happens before a show. My mom is always like, okay, don't worry. You're going to be fine when you get there. Like she talks me down. She knows that once I get there, everything will be fine. But it's definitely those three hours before I'm always nervous, always hoping things go well. But it's one of those things, if something doesn't go well, make it a joke and have fun. Yeah, it's the confidence in the way that you deal with it. But I think part of what you describe is fight or flight. And I think it's completely normal. And especially as a performer, anyone that speaks in front of people, that feeling sometimes never goes away. And different people tell you, you have to sit with it. You have to learn to talk to it back and just be like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm good at this and I can do this and really try to motivate yourself. Is that something that helps? 
Yeah, definitely. Like, I like having my mom before the show talk me down. She's really good at it. And it's just one of those things where I just need a little bit of time to kind of get ready and kind of reserve my energy. So when I am on stage, I can shine and I can be fully energetic with the crowd. And honestly, the crowd gives you everything. Whatever level I'm giving, if I'm giving 70%, they're giving me 80% back and it's raising me up to, you know, 90 or 100 It's kind of nice. That's what I think a lot of people miss during COVID with not being able to do live shows, really miss that response with the audience and that kind of energy and connection we have. So it's really nice that we're able to do that again and see people outside in real life. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank goodness for that. The world is opening up and we like to see more of that. Yes. What does being a drag artist allow you to do or express when you're performing that you normally wouldn't do? I think you sort of touched on this as well earlier. Yeah, I'm a pretty shy person in everyday life. If I'm out in a bar, like I'm not going to walk up to people and join them for drinks or anything kind of social like that. But when I'm in drag, I can fully talk to anybody. I can walk up to people. It's very much a character and it's kind of a shield in many ways where it gives me this ability to be able to do anything. It's almost like a superpower in some weird way, in a nerdy way. Yes, Doing drag has really opened me up to people and to be able to talk to anyone. Do you know the Coil Twins? They're on TikTok. I do, yeah. Spice and sugar, is that right? Sugar and spice? Yeah, exactly. I'm loving them because they describe it as your inner superstar and they're confident. They answer questions about drag and the illusion for them is fascinating for me when I see them as men and then as women. Yeah. And they're like a perfect example of people who have completely like figured out what their look is and have gone strong with it. Every time you see them, you know exactly what they're going to look like. Yes. What their style is like. They'll still be changing their hair and accessories and clothing pieces, but they know exactly who they are. And I think really great performers know exactly who their character is and how to dress that character up and how to act. Yeah. There's some fantastic examples. Would you ever consider auditioning for Canada's Drag Race? No. (laughs) I've been asked so many times, and it's just not my life. I don't want to make a career out of this. I have a really good time. You know when they say, like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's what I do now, and I love it, but I don't want to make it into something that I feel obligated to do, or I don't want to fall out of love with performing because I'm doing it too often. So for me, that is not an option. I'm very happy doing a few shows a month. Summer is always crazy busy with Pride events and stuff like that. And honestly, after the summer, I'm like, I need like a month or two to relax. Yep. Right now, we take the winter off with my shows. So we take January, February, March off and then start up again in April. So that's kind of like a nice little break. And I would not want to have to do a TV show and then do all the tours and things that come with it. It's just not my life. Yeah. What I see a lot of, too, is Drag Queens alumni from the show that they come out afterwards and they either feel that they don't work on themselves enough outside of their drag performer, that part of them gets lost, or they just, they didn't like this person, they didn't like what this producer said. And for me, watching that, I'm kind of like, oh, that seems like there's a bit of negativity there, I guess, as there is with anything when it comes to that. So it seems like you stay pretty clear of that. I think it's good, too, because like we said, I've started my own brand of shows, so I'm my own boss now, which is fantastic. 
Yep. I love guest starring in other shows. I work with quite a few queens that have me in their shows and they come to my shows, which is fantastic. But I do love being my own boss and not having to do anything I don't want to do. Or if I have an idea for something, like for example, in November, we're doing a burlesque show. It's really fantastic that I can do a theme show like that and not have to worry about a producer or someone telling me that they want me to do a specific number. I do what I want and I do what feels right to me and what I think my audience is going to like based on the people that I know usually come to the shows and kind of the fan base that I've built. Yeah, there are definitely benefits to that. And you own 100% of your creativity, which is so important. Theme that I'm seeing with a lot of people in my life is everybody that wants to pursue something creative, whether full time, part time, they are doing it now. What advice do you have to any new queen, baby queen that's just starting out? Yeah. So for baby queens, the first thing I'd say is figure out what you like to do. You're going to have a lot of chances to kind of try different things and see what feels good and what doesn't. Figure out who you are as a performer, what you like to do, and then roll with that. You know, don't force yourself to do a certain show because you think there's going to be some kind of benefit from it. But if it's taken away from your drag or how you want to act, then don't do it. Yeah. Take shows that you want to do and things that'll help you grow. That's a big thing. And honestly, just be kind is a really good thing that I like to teach a lot of queens that I've met or new performers because there's no reason to be a dick to anybody. Life is way too short for that. And there's so many queens out there who sometimes are a little bit dickish or they get kind of a complex when they're performing and they're getting booked for a certain type of show. And it's like, yeah, you're getting booked for that show and you're making $200, but you could be doing your own shows making double that amount of money, but you just haven't figured out how to be nice to other people or like how to network yourself and market yourself. So learn to love what you do and be nice. Those are my two main points. (laughs) Being nice, it goes a long way. And I think your advice and your response is so genuine. And you're also so funny. That's such a great combination. Uh, Ophelia, uh, thank you so much for talking to me about drag. Yeah, thank you for having me and uh, hit me up anytime if you want to do it again. Awesome. For all our listeners, if you're ever in the area, don't miss an opportunity to go see one of Ophelia's shows. Check out her website for more information or to grab some merch. And don't forget, especially after the year we've had, as we were saying, that we need to support your local queens. Thank you to all the loyal listeners. I've noticed interest going up and this is great to see. My goal for the podcast is to have it have 100 new subscribers. So please subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. And just before we go, is there anywhere fans, people interested in you can hit you up? Hit me up at OpheliaUp.com. We got our own branding. We have our own website, merch, all kinds of things. And then Facebook, Ophelia Up Shows and Instagram, just Ophelia Up. Up with two Ps. Ophelia up. Thanks so much. I love saying it. I can't get enough. I know, right? (laughs) It's even funnier when people come to the show and they don't realize it's a thing. And then I say it and they're like, oh, you just hear this collective group realizing. You're like, yep, that's what I was going for right there. (laughs) That's what it is. You heard right. (laughs) Thanks and goodbye. Goodbye.